0: Well, Christ is enough. Amen? Well, I'll tell you what, I think that that one's a a statement that many times we might, on the surface, stand and say, praise God, but then in the midst of a storm, we're very, very hesitant to exercise. May God help us. May God help us to say that and mean it and live accordingly. Again, we're all just flesh, aren't we? But praise God, we have the ability through Christ to be able to not only say it, but live it. Well, I'm so glad you're here. What a great group that's gathered today, and we certainly want God to speak to our hearts today. We'll waste our time today if you hear from a mere man. You need to hear from the Master today. So let's take our Bibles and turn over to, well, I would say a familiar passage if you've been in church a number of years. If you've not been, then this may be the first time you'll ever hear this. And I hope it's one that you'll remember. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. We're going to read through six verses, and then we're going to just, I guess, take a little bit of a journey here and see what we can not learn from the Word of God and try to be encouraged. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Well, I'll tell you what, Jesus is real close to a cross now. He's about ready to take his place on Calvary, and he's been sharing with the disciples some things, and he'll go on to share with them some things that they need to know as he makes his way out of this world back into the presence of the Father. And in this particular case, he makes mention to them, let not your heart be troubled, I know we've traveled together for some time and I know that you've gotten to become dependent upon me and I realize that your hearts are heavy considering and even thinking that I may not be with you. However, let not your hearts be troubled. How many times are our hearts troubled? Jesus would go on in chapter 16 to tell them how he would send another comforter and how he would be with them he let them know that he's not going to leave them nor forsake them, but instead he'd be with them always. And although he may not be there in flesh, he would be inside them, the person of the Holy Ghost. And that comfort would be available to them, no matter how difficult and how hard the circumstances may be in their lives. So we see in John chapter 14, as it begins... The Lord bringing comfort to his disciples. As he begins to share with them how and where he will be and how he must leave, they say, well, we, 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 we don't know. I mean, how, how, how do we get? What are you talking about? We're misunderstanding what's being said here. I mean, you tell me that we know the way. You tell us that we know all of these things, but we don't. We don't. You ever become desperate in the midst of a difficult time? Do You ever forget what you've been taught and told? I think we've all been there. Jesus says, or Thomas says, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? We've only traveled with Jesus for three years. They ate, slept, lived with him. They've watched as many miracles. They were first-hand observers of all the deity. And now Thomas and probably many of the others as well, as we would find later on in the account, says, we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? Jesus makes these profound statements. I mean, it's an amazing thing, the statements that he makes. He says to them simply this, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Sherry and I, we love to ride bikes. And we recently uh, invested in some bicycles. And for the first time in my life, I have a bike that I actually enjoy riding. You know how it is. You used to get that Walmart special for about fifty nine ninety five, And it was great the first season, but after that, the gear shifters were all messed up. And it would skip two and three gears, or it would strip the gear, and you're flying down the road. And next thing you know, you're going like that. You know, I mean, it was just one of those deals. And I, I invested, uh, Sharon and I invested in some bikes that were actually decent, good bikes. And we waited for them to go on sale like any good steward of God's money would. And, man, I mean, and, and so we did, we did wait till they went on sale. Matter of fact, we got like $75 or $100 off each of them. And, and uh, they were only $3,000 bikes. No, I'm teasing. But anyway, <laughs> I'm teasing. They were not, okay? They were not. But anyway, they were a lot better than a $59.95 Walmart special. And if that's what you have and that's all you can afford, praise God, when you turn 55 years old, maybe you can buy a bike like I have. <laughs> but we got these bikes and they're wonderful. And so we decide we're going to go ahead and go riding. And, and so we, we like to go on that towpath trail. I mean, they're supposed to eventually have, I think it's 127 miles or 117 miles worth of towpath when it's finished. And they're real close to finishing it. It's only 20 some miles short. But the fact is is that there's all kind of places you can ride. And so we pick a spot on the towpath and I won't tell you where because you'll probably be out there with binoculars looking for me. And so we pick a spot on the towpath and and we we get our bikes off of our bike rack that we purchased and ultimately put on the back. By the way, I put the hitch on myself with Brother Brad's help, of course. (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't going to pay anybody for that. There was a point where I wish I was paying somebody. But nonetheless, we finally got it on and it's working fine, I think. Time will tell. Don't follow me too closely. But nonetheless, we find our way into the towpath, and there in the towpath, we, we get our bikes and we stop and we say to ourselves, hmm, which way should we go? Now, there are only two ways you can go on a towpath you go right or you go left. It is that simple. But let me tell you, for, for Sherry and I, it's not that simple. For us, it's a major decision. I mean, we get there and we start thinking to ourselves, now wait a second. What kind of ride do we really want to have today? Do we want that leisurely ride or do we want that one where before it's over with our tongues hanging out and we're panting for breath? I mean, we need to consider the terrain. You know, we got to figure out, is it going to be hilly? Is it going to be flat? We start to think to ourselves, now, what kind, of, what kind of environment will we be riding through? I mean, will it be a, a wooded area? Will it be kind of a, a more of a, a, a rural area versus a more industrial area? Well, I mean, we think about all of that. And then we think to ourselves, now, where will this take us? Where will it ultimately end? I mean, if we want to travel so many miles, where will it place us on the towpath trail and on a map? I mean, we're all into all this, you know? Because it matters where we end up. And so we stand there at at a fork and we say right or left. And a lot of it depends on what we want. A lot of it depends on what our goals and our desires are. But in the end, we can only make one choice, left or right. We're going one way or the other. And sometimes I found we've made the wrong choice. The first time, and I shouldn't even be sharing this, it was the second time we rode, we went down the left of a path, and before it was over with, there was a major hill. I felt very sorry for Sherry. (laughs) As she pedaled on and I sat on a bench, all alone, she rode her bike the rest of the way to the next stop. Well, I just said, I'll wait here for you. (laughs) Paths, ways. It's important which way you go. It's important. Jesus makes an emphatic statement, and he says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And so today, I just want to share a few thoughts with you, and here's the message title, if you will, A Better Way, or more accurately, The Only Way. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time together, and we just ask, Lord, that you would be glorified in our lives, and help us, Lord, just to truly, uh, Father, please you with our life and our lives. We understand, Father, that without you, we can do nothing. And we know today that as we sit here or stand in this pulpit, even without you, we'll accomplish nothing eternal. In our flesh, we will simply flail about, accomplishing nothing except your Spirit show up. Speak to our hearts, work in our lives, and change us. May we be different for having come today. Well thank you. We'll praise you for what you will accomplish in Christ's name. Amen. So my first point is a better way. Take your Bible, turn over to the book of 1 John chapter 2 verse 15 and 16. 1 John chapter 2. There in 1 John chapter 2, it's Toward the end of your Bible, by the way, and again, John's kind of interesting. There's the Big John book, and then there's the three Little John books. I'm talking about Big John and Little John. (laughs) Remember the Houlihan and Big Chuck show, and then Little John got on there? Wrong Little John. This is John, the same John, writing a book that's smaller. or Something like that. Notice what it says here. 1 John two fifteen and 16, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now what we're going to learn is that there's a system, it's called the world system. And the world system is comprised of the political system, the economic system, the social system, the religious system. All of those things are part of the world system. We think about the world, it's, it's a, 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 a pie, if you will, and there are pieces to the whole, and all of it adds up to the world. And that world system is headed up by none other than Satan himself. We'll find out in just a few moments, not right now, but a little bit later, that Satan is the little g-god of this world. He's the head of all these world systems. And there is a course by which the world travels, by the way. They have their course. They have their path, if you will. In Ephesians chapter 2, we read, Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. There is a course that we travel. From the very moment we are born, we are in sin. And the truth is is that we travel the course of this world. We are literally on a pathway and we are headed in a direction. We are following the course of this world. And unfortunately for all, that course leads to destruction. It leads nowhere good at all. Turn if you would to Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 through 14. The world has its course. Now, many will try to make it sound as though there are many roads that lead to the same place. But there are not many roads that lead to the same place when it comes to spiritual matters. There are only two roads to travel. There's either the world's road, if you will, and there will be God's road. There's really, it's not complicated. And yet we like to make it more complicated so that we have reasons not to follow the right way. But nonetheless, notice here in Matthew 7, 13, and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. May I say that the course of this world is described as being a broad way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, it says. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Here's a simple question for you. If this passage is correct, if it's true, and we know that it is, it's the Word of God, then where will most people end up? They're going to go on to destruction. If if we would take this crown today and it would be representative of humanity and we could say, okay, now there's the broad way, there's the course of this world and there's, of course, God's course or His way. And the Bible says that this way of the world is simply a wide gate in a broad way and therefore more will go that direction than the other. If we would take even just simply... Two-thirds of the auditorium and say, these are the ones that travel God's way. Therefore, the bulk, the majority, go the broad way. Think about the situation we find ourselves in today. And you know what, this is not truly representative. May I say it's more probably likely way more than this even, but from here all the way over the Broadway, and maybe this many, or possibly from here all the way over, and only this small handful on that side, in re- relatively speaking, compared to the world in which we live. It puts things in perspective as you go to a football game and you look over the masses and you ask yourself, I wonder, I wonder how many of these people know Christ and are saved. And if you're any child of God like I am a child of God, you think those things in a crowd like that, don't you? And the truth is, is that the majority, by far, are on their way to destruction. At least biblically. So there is a course By which the world travels. And that course leads to destruction. But the Bible says there is hope for you and I of course. We are delivered from this present evil world the Bible says. Turn if you would to Galatians chapter 1 verse 4. We all begin on that wide road. That broad road if you will. That leads to destruction. It is the course of the world in which we live. It is the direction that the God of this world would have you travel. And he would like to keep you on that pathway. And fulfill his goals, his desire, his purpose for your life. Destruction. Notice what he says in Galatians 1, 4. Who gave himself for our sins. Who did that? Jesus Christ did. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. You cannot be delivered from the present evil world and not be put on a different path. The course of this world, you can't travel that course and be saved. And you can't be on your way to heaven and on that course. You got to change paths. There has to be a change that takes place. There has to be Jesus Christ doing something supernatural. What's he going to do? He delivers us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. He literally takes us out of the world. He literally steps down out of heaven and comes to earth and allows himself to be hanged on a cross and crucified. His precious blood shed. His wonderful body, that flesh body broken, but it broken for you and broken for me. And he died on Calvary so that he could grab us and say, come on out of this present evil world. And I noticed that you were not wanting to come out of the world. And so he says, you're out of the world now. I'm just separating you from that world. I'm taking you out of that present world. I'm delivering you from that evil, sinful world. You now are no longer who you used to be or what you used to be. You're mine now. You're not his anymore. Thank you. And that's exactly what he does. And he takes you off that that, that road that leads to destruction and he removes you from that way and puts you on a better path. Not only do we see a better way, but we know the better truth. See, the devil has his illusion of truth. I said illusion. See, we see evidence of that in Genesis chapter 3. Turn over to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. I'm going to read five verses there. Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Again, let's not be confused. We know who the serpent is in this passage. It's the deceiver, it's Satan. Lucifer, as he was called. He said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree of the, which is in the midst of the garden... God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. There's a lot of things going on here in the passage, aren't there? A number of things. But he goes on to say, and the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. For God doth, not, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as God's. Notice the little g again. Boy, there's something about that little g God. Knowing good and evil. Now, I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but may I say it's quite obvious here that Satan has twisted God's word and truly misquoted God's word. And unfortunately, even Eve herself has done so. And then he promises, he, he makes indictments on God and his character. And I want you to understand that words are important. In the book of John 17, 17, it says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Do you know what we're saying then? Is that literally God's word is truth. I mean, what he says is true. And we learn in the book of John chapter 1 that this word and Jesus are inseparable. That they are one and the same. That Jesus is the incarnate word. And this word we hold in our hand today is as much him as he was. And may I say today that as we open the word of God, we are opening truth. If you want to find truth in the world, you have to find it in this book. You want to find truth in your life, you got to find it in this book. You want to find answers in your marriage, your home, your family. You find it in the truth, the word of God. As we said, words are powerful. And so when God speaks, he always speaks the truth. He always speaks the truth. That's not the case with the devil. The truth is that every word, every thought, and every consideration that we have, you and I have today, must be filtered through the truth. The word of God. It's got to be. It has to be. The devil shared his truth with Eve. Or his perception of truth. Or his idea of truth. Or was it truth at all? It was no truth at all, was it? See, the devil may repeat a truth. But he is incapable of truth on his own. Here's what I mean. I mean, he could quote someone saying truth, but that truth didn't come from him because he is incapable of truth. Notice what the Bible says. Turn to John chapter 8. And by the way, the devil will use the word of God against God's people and against those that are lost. And there are times that he will mix a lot of truth around a little lie to deceive, confuse and ultimately damn people. But it isn't him speaking truth. He's borrowing truth. And wrapping it around his heart. That's full of lies. Notice what it says here in John eight forty four 44 and 45. He says, as he speaks to the religious elite of his day. He says, ye are of your father the devil and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. How much truth is in the devil? None. None. Hey, listen, he opens his mouth. You better be checking it out because he's going to tell a lie. If it's coming from him, it's a lie. The only way it would be truth is if he's just quoting a truth. But he certainly is not going to have any truth in him. He says... (laughs) When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Notice he goes on to say, and because I tell you the truth, you believe me not? And Jesus is like, I'm telling you the truth and you don't believe me. Is that why you don't believe? Because I'm telling you the truth? You'd rather believe a lie? You mean people actually would rather believe lies? See, the devil is in the business of telling lies. He's a deceiver. And the truth is in our very hands today. And it should be committed to our very hearts. But may I say, just having it available isn't enough. They had Jesus, the incarnate word. They had Jesus, the truth right before their very eyes, in their very presence. And yet, they couldn't see the truth because of the lie. You want truth? Here's truth. We say a better truth, but in reality, is it a better truth or is it the only truth? Well, I watch the news to find out what's really going on. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just telling you, if you really want truth, there's no place to find it outside of Jesus Christ and His blessed book, the Word of God. What about about this, a better life? You know, the Christian life is the best life. Now I know there are some down-in-the-mouth Christians and I know there are some wicked, wretched believers. I realize that there are some fleshly Christians running around in the world today that put a black eye on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and wreck and ruin the church and all they want to do is fight and fuss with one another. But let me tell you something, there's no better life than the Christian life. There are always some bad apples in the bushel, so to speak. But may I say today that if you're looking for a real life, you need to find it in only Him, Jesus Christ. The devil has a counterfeit life for you, though. He's a good counterfeiter, this devil. He offers one a life filled with seeming excitement. I mean, entertainment and even intrigue. And he he offers all of this to you. And he makes it seem so cheap. But it does come with a price. You know, sin and vice always do come with a price. It's an amazing thing when you watch a commercial on television about alcohol. You never see some guy that that has pancreatic cancer that's wielding away to nothing. You never see the girls that have pregnancies and they don't have anybody to lean on or help them through that difficult time. But they had a good time while they were drinking. You don't look at the little family that's wrecked and ruined because some drunkard crossed the highway and killed their children. They don't show you that on the television. Oh, and the devil has his way. He's got his truth. He's got his life. He's offering you. There is a better life. We can't forget about that God of this world, right? Let's look over at the book of First Corinthians chapter four, verse three through four. First Corinthians chapter four, verses three through four. He says there in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 3 and 4, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth, he says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom, watch now, the God, notice little g God, of this world, this world and its system, everything you see around you that hasn't been supernaturally influenced by the Spirit of God and the power of God is of the devil. Everything around you is his. The world system, religious system, economic system, social system, every system. And he goes on to say, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. I'm just going to throw this in, but the truth is that many times we look at the world and we say, I don't get why the preacher's so upset about things. It's not that big a deal. It's not that bad. Do you want to know why? Because we don't see who's behind it all. It looks real good in a skirt. It looks real good in a suit. It looks real good in a high rise. It looks real good in the bank account. It looks real good when we've got all the pieces and parts that say success in the world. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you this. If you would get past all of the exterior, if you'd get down to the nitty gritty where the rubber meets the road, if you'd see where it's all built upon, it's built upon lies and lies and lies. And I'm not saying that there aren't good things in this life because God has blessed us with so many good things. But if we look at that world and think somehow that it has something to offer us, that Jesus Christ does not have we are wrong today we are wrong John chapter 10 verse 10 says the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy Jesus says I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly which life do you want I know, you say, well, I'm a Christian. I know, but even Christians can fall into the lies of Satan and walk back into that old, wicked, sinful life, allow the flesh to rule them instead of the Spirit of God. We're all susceptible to that. None of us, including this one right here, standing before you today, we're all susceptible to this. And we're actually very prone to it. There is nothing in the world that Satan gives unselfishly. Did you hear what I said? Nothing he will give you does he give you in your best interest. Everything he has given, anything he gives to anyone is selfishly given because he expects something in return. Because ultimately... It fulfills his end. It helps him to achieve his goals. And that is to dethrone God and ultimately sit on the throne himself. I don't want to help him do that. And we know how it ends, I get it, but I don't even want to be associated with him. I'll be associated with big G God, not little g God. Jesus has a better. Better life. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Now we've noted that God promises a better way, a better truth and a better life. But again, we would be remiss if we didn't clarify that a little bit. See, Jesus said, I am the way. He said, I am the the truth. I am the life. Jesus didn't say he would show us a way. He said that he is the way. He didn't promise to teach us a truth. He said he is the truth. He didn't offer us the secrets of life. He said, I am the life." See, until you find the way, Jesus, you're simply wandering about without any idea as to where you're going. Did you hear that? Let me say it again. Until you find the way, the way, which is Jesus Christ, you're simply wandering about without any idea as to where you're going. See, Jesus is the way. Until you find the truth, Jesus, you're simply dead inside and don't know if you can go on. Excuse me. You simply, I'm sorry, you're simply confused and don't know what to think. That's what I meant to say. I jumped ahead one. You're simply confused and you don't know what to think because he is the truth. And all you have to pull from then potentially are lies. Again, until you find the life, Jesus, as I said already, you're simply dead inside then. And you don't know if you can go on anymore. He's the life. It's been said, without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there's no knowing. Without the life, There is no living. I am the way which thou must follow, the truth in which thou must believe, the life for which thou must hope. And I tell you today that there really isn't a better way. There really is no better truth. There is really no better life. There is only one way. One truth and one life. Put them together like you put the Trinity together. And you have one. They are one in the same. You can't separate them. I have the truth, but I don't want the way. Doesn't work. The way, the truth, the life... They all equal Jesus. And may I say today that if your life isn't going in the direction that you thought it should, may I say, friend, it's most likely that you are on the wrong course. You need to get on course with Jesus. You need to find the way. You need to find the truth. You need to find the life. You need Jesus today. Are you born again? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Has there been a time, a place when you recognized yourself a sinner before a holy, righteous God and said, I can't, can't measure up to Him no matter what I say, no matter what I do, no matter how hard I try, no matter what in my life transpires or takes place, I'm always failing to measure up to His righteousness and holiness. And you are, and so am I. And you came to that place, that realization. And you were confronted with a cross. And there it sat empty. Because it was Jesus that hung on it, was buried, and rose again the third day. And now you see him resurrected in your sight. You see him alive today, although he was dead. And you say to yourself, I am dead in my sins and I need Jesus in my life. Because if he lives, so can I. Has there been a time when you called on him, as the Bible says? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you been saved? Have you been forgiven? Have you been included in his family? And it's all simply by calling on him, receiving him, and asking him for his forgiveness and asking him to save you. And saying, I'm looking to you only and no one and nothing else but you. You're the only way. You're the only truth. You're the only truth if you've never come to that place my friend you can settle that today and you too can be one of his own forgiven washed in the blood of the lamb on your way to heaven never having to look back again And today if you're a believer and you found yourself tiptoeing around The course of the world, tempted to fall back in to those old ways. I say, friend, don't buy the lie of Satan today. He is a liar. He is a liar. He is a liar. And he only wants your destruction. Father, we come to you. We ask, dear God, that you'd help us, Lord, today, too.